Hey, everybody. This is Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com, and I'm here again with Eric Moline. Hi, Trevin. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. How are oh, you? Good. Good. I'm good. <laughs> are you uh, ready to talk about horror movies? We, we have to talk about horror movies. I'd like to talk about the movie we saw last night, but we can't yet. But we did get to see Warrior. Um, and we're just... I, we'll I, talk about I, it when it opens. I really want to talk about it, but I have to, I have to sit on it until it opens. So two weeks from now, we will talk all about The Warrior. But, uh, or now. just Warrior. Well, the movie Warrior. As opposed to The Warriors. It's Horror Weekend. And this is like, this is, these are the dog days of summer. This is when the very last, you know, if you thought. The last throws of the summer right, blockbusters. They're not good enough to compete with the big budget fair. They're not arty enough to make a run for the Oscars. Right. So you have this weird middle ground. There's, there's basically a period between about mid August to the end of September where there's an offload of just any of these movies that are, aren't the same. And it happens again um, in the winter. <laughs> it happens around February, February to late April. Right. There's that same window where it's like, let's put Ghost Rider in there. Let's just let's put these movies out and make way for the big summer movies. I forgot. I also saw Conan the Barbarian. Uh, yeah. Which opened this weekend as well. So you got to weekend. see two remakes. Yes. And then this, wait, three remakes. Because isn't... The, yeah, all yeah. three remakes. Yeah. So, Gotta love Hollywood. That's very great. original stuff. Did, have you, uh, while we're on that quick subject, uh, board game movies? The yeah. new trend. Got Battleship with Peter Berg. Yeah, that looks terrible. Yeah. Ridley Scott mm-hmm. is attached to Doom Monopoly. Yeah. And here's the thing because they project numbers already, they being studio heads, because yeah. they project numbers and they, they already have a, an idea of what a movie's going to make before it even comes out. Right. Um, uh, I, they, I believe it was Universal backed out. On making any other board game movies, but Parker Brothers is so certain that these are going to be a success that they've they've decided to refinance and bankroll their own board game movies moving forward. Wow! So don't worry because Tree of Life is coming. Or Tree of Life. Tree of Life. Tree of Life. The board game is coming. <laughs> the Game of Life. The movie. Oh, is coming. Fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait. So look out for that and Ouija board. Ouija board. The movie. The wow. Movie. Maybe it'll be directed by the director of Paranormal Activity Maybe it'll Three. Maybe directed by um, M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, we get a sweet would be twist ending out of it. <laughs> anyway, digression. Yeah. So, so uh, let's start with Fright Night. It's got okay. Well, Fright Night was last week. Okay. Conan the Barbarian was last week. Both of those. Okay. Um, so we'll start with Fright Night. Fright Night's a remake of the 1985 movie that really means a lot to me personally because uh, when I was about 14 you or 15 had a lot of years gay old. Well, I, right. s- I snuck into uh, Rated R Films at the Oak Park Mall, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw Fright Night as a young teenager, and uh, there was, uh, 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 well, I was with a friend of mine, mm-hmm. a dude, yeah, and there were some Fellow chicks yeah. in there, Fellow and chicks. they decided they got a little scared, and they needed to come over and get some comforting, uh-huh. so I did a little uh, necking in oh. the theater, yeah. Yeah. Watching Fright Night, so that's a bad choice of words, by the way, when talking about a vampire movie. Right, so I thought it was going. appropriate. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have sweet memories of Fright Night. <laughs> that was a, and you know, honestly, it's a really, it's a really great movie. That that movie uh, for a low budget horror film from the eighties, it really holds up because partially uh, the eighties, of course, was the AIDS epidemic, and yeah. uh, you know, there was kind of this gay panic thing going on, and uh, uh, Chris Sarandon. 
plays the would be could be vampire in the original, and he's got this pal with him uh, nonstop who's uh, very well coiffed. They're both very handsome uh, and and they dress well. And uh, Charlie Brewster, uh, the next door neighbor, thinks uh, you know that these guys are vampires. That his neighbor's a vampire. Um, that particular uh, metaphor is all but gone in this remake, which features, features Colin Farrell. Well, is that a bad vampire. thing? Because that really, it's not timely anymore. It's not timely anymore, I guess. But, but I mean, everybody's afraid of gay marriage, so it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, the, uh, 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 deathly, uh, fear of, of, uh, sexual transmitted diseases, uh, from the eighties, but still, I mean, it's anyway, so that's gone. Colin right. Farrell is, is the vampire next door and he's not even the could be vampire because in about 15 minutes, um, he, uh, is revealed, uh, quite clearly to be a vampire. Well, I so. assume that you've seen, and you've you seen the you preview. Seen the tra- yeah, yeah. And you've seen the previews. The I'm sure he is in, right in there as well. So, but that was a big part of what made the first movie so great was, uh, you know, Brewster, this kid, uh, with his, with his binoculars spying on his neighbor and, and looking out the window and void this voyeuristic quality. What's going on over there? Um, that doesn't really exist in this movie for very long. Now that said, uh, Colin Farrell's clearly having a lot of fun. Anton Yelchin plays the nerdy kid yeah. with the way too hot girlfriend. Chekhov. Um, Chekhov from Star Trek. And and honestly, um, everybody's doing a fine job in the in the movie. David Tennant plays a Chris Angel like uh, Vegas performer who knows something about vampires mm-hmm. and is Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, he's formerly Doctor Who. Is enlisted by. Uh, by Yelchin to to help him out, um, which is the role that uh, Roddy McDowell played right. uh, as the old horror movie host. And see, I read original. that I read that uh, little tidbit leading up to the movie, and I thought that was a really inspired. It is kind of it's a funny, really good choice, and and this movie takes place in Las Vegas. Okay, that's so smart it's really too. cool because um, it's a city that never sleeps. It's well, perfect for a vampire, and and not only that, but they're in this little pocket of suburbia. You know, they have all these little pockets of suburbia outside of the main. Uh, area and they're right. all these little controlled little neighborhoods and so this vampire moves in and gets to feast on everybody in the neighborhood yeah. um so i mean there is a lot of inspired choices i'm i'm very mixed on the film because um i don't think it really quite lived up to the old one i think that uh really falls apart in the finale uh it does have some scary moments mm-hmm. and and like i said Farrell's having a good time uh, and there's and there's a, a a lot of good fun in the movie, yeah. um, but for me, I was I was a little more mixed on it than most people. That said, it did not deserve to open at number six at the box office last week. Yeah, it's it way tanked, better. It tanked harder than any of them. Last yeah, week. Last it, week was it a did worse than Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, last week was a terrible opening. I want to back up real quick and say that I didn't say that Las Vegas was the city that never sleeps. It's a city that yeah. never sleeps because it's open twenty four seven. Yeah, just in case someone wanted to comment and say it's in New York. I, uh, I know. Yeah, I know. Well, so um, you know, here's the deal with Fright Night. It's 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 a pretty good horror movie. Yeah. Uh, it it it, it definitely um has. But, but is it like a straight? Is it a horror movie? Because it gets it honestly, it looks more like an action movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, uh, it's a suspense movie. Sure. It it definitely turns into an action movie. The second half of the film is pretty much all chase oriented stuff. 
Um, but I, I would have preferred that they uh, delved a little bit deeper into the paranoia and the voyeuristic stuff that was in the original. Yeah. Um, and I don't think David Tennant has enough screen time to do much with, with this uh, character, this Chris Angel-like character that he's doing. Um, so I think that really out of all the inspired choices, I think it, they ended up with kind of a, a pretty, you know, o- okay film. Yeah, and this was a former Buffy writer. Marty Noxon wrote the wrote the screenplay, yeah, and so I expected a lot more clever dialogue than I got. Um, and Colin yeah. Farrell should have had more scenes where he was uh, using the double entendres and and threatening the, the the family. But it's you know he's just he becomes an obvious threat too quickly for them to do that. So that yeah. was a little disappointing. Um, it's a mixed bag for sure. If you like the original Fright Night, uh, you'll find a lot of. Um, uh, <laughs> Including a cameo, you'll find a lot of references to the old one that are mm-hmm. fun. And so it's just kind of cool to see it again. Um, but I think it could have been better than it, than it was. I think you would have rated it higher if someone had made out with you. But I think you're right. That's just me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's go on to remake number two, Conan. Conan the Barbarian. And yeah. I have a soft spot in my heart for the original. So I was disappointed from the second they announced that they were going to remake Conan. Well, from the second they announced the director and the cast, or just from the second they announced they were going to do it going to do it at all? Because you knew it was going to be completely generic, mm-hmm. right? It was going to be, like, I pictured the trailer already, it was going to be like, guitar crunch. Yeah. You know, sword, like, long shot of a sword. Guitar crunch. Yeah. Like, Conan stands up, <laughs> pulls his mask off or something stupid. Right. Words like, he was a slave, yeah. you know. Now he's, you know, it's just that kind of stuff. I knew Guess it who narrates example. the movie? James Earl Jones? Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I am not kidding. Morgan Freeman is the first voice you hear in Conan the Barbarian. And uh, he's got a lot of backstory because he's given us a bunch of uh, nonsense about whatever yeah, this, isn't there like this world is. Yeah, isn't there like 20 pages of backstory in the first, like, isn't there, don't they just cram an absurd amount of information in the first five minutes of the movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, honestly... It, they're, they're, what they're doing is they're trying to get um, the mythology of Conan the Barbarian out of the way so that they can plug that into right. a very formulaic film right. about a the, kid who has to get revenge. Yeah, That's it, right? It's right. Uh, the, the bad guys come in and kill the, the village and his father, and he grows up into a great warrior. And, uh, who hunts. plays his father? Anybody noteworthy? Yeah, Ron Perlman. Uh, of course. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, Ron Perlman Why not? and Morgan Freeman. So, oh, my God. Uh, the, the lead character is um, played very generically. Uh, again, generic is the generic and formulaic are the two words I'm going to be using the most in this review. Um, by one of the cast members of uh, HBO's Game of uh, TV Thrones. series, Game of yeah. Thrones. And his name is Jason Momoa. Momoa. So. Um, not really much to speak of there as well. Uh, I will say one thing. Uh, the action almost never stops, which is good and bad. It's good because there's nothing going on in the plot. But it's right. bad because after a while... Because there's nothing going uh, on. Yeah, after a while, it just numbs you. There's no, right. there's no consequence to anything. And so uh, it's just this numbing feeling you get. And there was this great... A video that I posted recently on the Scene Stealers Facebook page. Oh, yeah. It's a, a video essay of a guy who's comparing older action movies. And when I say older, I mean like up to the 90s even yeah. uh, action films that, that have a very classical uh, structure, uh, an editing style of, of putting together the action so yeah. that you're He's grounded and you know what's happening. The 
Bullet and the Wild Bunch mm-hmm. are both in there. But uh, he put Raiders of the Lost Slate, Ark in there. I was about there. to say Raiders is in there. Yeah, and uh, so if Die you Hard, go, you yeah, mean, Die Hard. And if you look at the action movies uh, that are that are coming out now in the two thousands, especially uh, the the last two Born movies and the Transformers movies, what you get is a lot of shaky cam. You don't know where uh, yeah. the action's coming from or where it's oriented. And his thesis was that all of this noise and and fury and and editing. Uh, the only reason that we know we have any idea we can piece together what's going on is because of the soundtrack. Yeah. And um, I think he's right. I think that um, uh, hopefully his, audiences, there will be an action movie soon that comes out that we're able to follow like we were able to follow uh, some of the classic action movies yeah. um, of the past. And, and we can get a character that we can uh, feel something for. And we can get action that we can actually follow that right. means something. So this is not that movie. This is about as generic as it gets. And Lionsgate is going to take a bath on it because it costs ninety million and it grossed ten. Well, and good. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't like talking about box office grosses, but frankly, they deserve it. Yeah. So well, hopefully that'll be the end. I, you know, I hope it's a bubble that bursts soon. I mean, I, we have a guy that we we. Um, get to hang out with uh, in the critic circle and he's very about box office and knows, yeah. knows a lot um not not in a bad way he's he, but he's it's a sure. good it's a good counterweight to all these people that are like i don't know the cinema verite you know like he actually will talk hard numbers and it's really easy to forget that it's a business sometimes and he you know he, he put it together really well and said think of about it think about it if it were your own money you know are you going to invest your own money in something that's uncertain or are you going to invest your own money in something that is established people are already familiar with and know about you right. know and it's it's i'm not saying it's okay but it makes sense you know yeah. people are scared with their money right now and so no one's really taking any chances you have to be somebody like chris nolan and make a billion dollars on the second batman movie to make to make inception you know right. and to be fair i mean he could crank out movies like memento for the rest of his life if he wanted to you know he could do small budget cheap you know on location movies for the rest of his life if he wanted to and have complete creative control, but he wants to make the big movies. And so that's, that's what's happening. But there, I, I really hope that th- this line of remakes that tank really make, make them, you know, take another gamble on creativity or original ideas. Yeah, I think, I think also um, it's, it's, it's twofold. It's the fact that Conan was a known entity and by yeah. the way, they're calling him Conan now. Conan. Yeah, and the entire film he's Conan, not Cause he, Conan. Because of Conan O'Brien. I assume so. And uh, the other thing is that um, it's a formulaic film. So you take formulaic film, known entity, and put those together, and they should have had a hit. Right. So I'm supporting what you're saying, and I'm saying that hopefully now they won't – the studios won't think that. And they'll start thinking more like if we have a really great idea, uh, even if it's hard to, to put in a preview like Inception, that yeah. we might be able to make – more original right. movies now and also they don't cost that much so yeah i, I don't know you know you, you think about it and like look at the look at the biggest money makers over the years you know they were how many of them were remakes yeah you know look at jaws the star the original star wars trilogy indiana jones i mean look at those movies they they weren't you know they were original ideas right et right you know, stuff like that so last thing i want to say about conan the the barbarian is um um that I went into this movie thinking that it was going to be terrible. Right. And I was hoping that it would be terrible in a campy kind of fun way. Right. It's not. It's not? Not even with the Morgan Freeman narration and nope. the Ron Perlman death? Nope. Ah. It's not. It's no fun. It's no fun. 
So there's well, the end of that line of questioning. Shona, no fun. All right. And now let's move on to this week's movie. This week's uh, movie is uh, another remake, uh, albeit one that probably uh, few people have seen the original, a 1973 uh, made-for-TV horror movie called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Called Deathbed, uh, it, Bed That Eats People. It's It starred uh, Kim Darby, okay. uh, who was the uh, actress probably most well-known for the original True Grit, um, and uh, Guillermo del Toro, who directed uh, Pan's Labyrinth, the Hellboy series, and The Devil's Backbone. Um, produced and wrote this because that movie scared the crap out of him when he was a little kid. Mm. And he always wanted to bring it to the big screen. So he hired this new guy named Troy Nixie uh, who did a short film uh, called Latchkey's Lament that's pretty crazy and uh, got Guy Pierce and Katie Holmes in the roles of the couple that comes into the haunted house. Yeah. Um, and uh, like he Guy added, Pierce. which is really interesting, he added... Uh, another character in the film, which is uh, Guy Pierce's young daughter, Sally. Mm. So uh, in the original, it's just a, a story about these little creatures that um, come out of the cellar and terrorize this couple. But in Del Toro's version, it's all told through the point of view of the child. So in a way, it's very like Pan's Labyrinth in that uh, all of your uh, childhood fears and nightmares come to life. Uh, and I think it's more effective that way, too, because this movie is not terribly scary. There's okay. a couple scenes that are kind of jump out scary. But other than that, it's just really atmospheric and creepy. And I think that um, it's going to work best as a scary movie for a younger audience because it preys on those fears exactly. Uh, I said Haunted House before. There's no ghosts in this movie. Um, they're just actually, like I said, creatures. Right. Uh, the backstory is more fleshed out than it was in the made-for-TV movie, but still a little vague, which I like. Uh, and it really concentrates on, um, you know, the relationship between these three people: Dad, his new girlfriend, who yeah. she fears the little girl fears is going to be her stepmother, uh, and that stepmother, Katie Holmes, and and the links that she goes to prove to that little girl that she's not going to be the wicked stepmother. So there actually is more uh, uh, emotional connections between these characters than the original one. That said, it's a very simple movie. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably just under 90 minutes. I don't, I don't know exactly because I, I didn't look it up, but it, it felt short. Yeah. Um, and it has a great climax. So it really builds to something, which, which is a big deal because these days I feel like horror feels uh, like it has to have a, a big scene every 10 minutes. Yeah. This one is not like that. This is a, you know, it's going to grow on you. It's a slow burn. Uh, It's it's fun to watch. The cinematography is great. The creatures are good. I think they show a little too much of them, actually, by the end. You mean like Uh, they reveal them too often? Yeah. Yeah. Like they they were really mysterious for a long time. And then as soon as we see them, we start seeing them a lot. Uh, Are they Um, like the gremlins from the original gremlins movie? No. But 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 they're really well done, care. and the CGI is great. And you can tell they shot this for a low amount of money because it all takes place in one house. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and there's like seven characters. So yeah. overall, uh, I, I'm giving it a recommendation, although I know that for some people, this is not going to be the type of horror movie that you want to go see. Right. Uh, I think it was a nice change of pace. Uh, it's, it's not the scariest thing I've ever seen. Is it kind of a throwback? Like is it a th- – a little Does it feel bit. feel a bit like a throwback to 70s horror movies? It's kind of or, old fashioned. Or? Well, it's, it's more of a, like, it's kind of got that fairy tale vibe of, okay. of Pan's Labyrinth. So yeah. it doesn't have the gritty 70s vibe that, um, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and movies like that had, Last House on the Left. But yeah. uh, it's definitely worth seeing, especially if you're a horror fan. And if you like Del Toro's movies and his creatures, uh, I, think, I think this one's um, 
it's 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 good. It's good. Again, not a huge recommendation, right? But um, it it was it's nice to see a creepy movie instead of just a gory one. Oh, and here's another weird thing. It's rated R. Huh? Why? Which uh, I, they tr- they thought they were going to be able to get a PG thirteen. They weren't. And they just said, well, screw it. This is a really good movie. And they rated it R specifically for – I looked this up on Wikipedia. Uh, I can't remember exactly the terminology, but pervasive scariness. <laughs> rated R for pervasive scariness. So now they can, they can give your movie an R rating. There's a little bit of violence in the movie, but it's quick and shocking, yeah. right? Pervasive scariness, and that that translates Rated to me. R and for they did a sense of dread. Yeah, they did a great job with the atmosphere in this film. Right. So, uh, if, if pervasive like, scariness, I swear to God. So, oh, um, so good for them. I'm a little disappointed. It's not PG-13 for my own selfish purposes because I think any uh, kid that sees this movie, it's mm-hmm. going to scare the crap out of them, and it will uh, be in your nightmares. If I mean, if I was a little kid and I saw this movie, absolutely scary. For adults, not so scary. We're a little bit over the, the right. being afraid of We've the dark. We've been desensitized, yeah. yeah. But wow, it's it's. Uh, I, I imagine that the twenty years from now, the kids who see this movie are going to say the same thing Del Toro did about the original. Cool. Maybe, who knows? Maybe some weekend, some kids will sneak in the Oak Park Mall, yeah, and make out yep. to it, and they're not being terrified. You have to comfort the women when they're scared. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was 15. It was awesome. It's all right. What are you going to do? What a, a good for you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm Speaking of being 15, okay. um, I was obsessed and still am obsessed with a certain celebrity <laughs> who turned 62 yesterday. Oh, God. I hate this guy. Can I just, before we say uh, yeah, his name? Yeah, absolutely. I hate him, yeah. and I hate that his show right now yeah. is all about whether he and his wife are going to split up and the people are actually like, they actually think that getting, there's something going on there instead it. of knowing that it's like watching scripted. the staged walk off yeah. during these interviews. It's like today on good morning America. Yeah. They're going to stop by. And then they stop by and one of them gets up and leaves. Like, oh, wow. We're right. talking of course about Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons, uh, who just had the highest the rated God TV of show Thunder. of six seasons, six seasons of family jewels. Uh, when he proposed to, uh, his non-wife of 30 years, Shannon tweet, uh, God, the man who's notoriously against marriage and who, as a child, inspired me to play in a rock band. Yeah. So I held a very so thanks a lot. Spot. Thanks a lot for that, Gene Simmons. Yeah, thanks, Gene. Uh, in my heart for him. But I, I, I yeah. So through the eighties, uh, I was a big Kiss fan. Uh, you still are. You have the belt buckle. I, don't, I do. don't don't lie. I do. Um, but I also he he drives me crazy every time he opens his mouth, and I I can't watch his show. No. So as obsessed with him as I am, knowing how reality shows are created and how uh, narratives are spun, uh, I cannot watch this film and watch these four people pretend like this is real. I have a friend. Insulting. I have a friend on Facebook that comments every time she watches an episode of this season about how it gets her crying yeah she cries from it and i'm just like the writers are really good are you kidding and the actors and by that i mean gene and his family are also very good you know you have to commit gene simmons has been playing gene simmons for about 62 years now so So. what i so what i did in honor of the man's birthday and my awful obsession with him is i created a top 10 called top 10 gene simmons acting performances (laughs) number four on that list is gene simmons as gene simmons in gene simmons family jewels good and i put in the 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 video that i embedded is him and shannon tweed on the today show right when they were fighting and honestly i think shannon is not joking i think that something happened right before they went on the air because she is freaking pissed 
and Gene looks like the little wet dog that he gets that he has to be sometimes when he has to atone for his for right. his lifetime of insulting this poor woman by going out and flaunting all the women he's Have had you sex ever with. listened to his NPR interview? I own it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. It's not available anymore on NPR because he mm. has to take it down. Yeah, I, I found it somewhere online a while Terry back. Terry Gross. Yeah, the yeah. Terry Gross interview. That was pretty incredible. She gives him the benefit of the doubt the entire time, and he gets defensive right away and turns into a big jerk, and she just makes him look like an idiot. Yep. So what what was his signature? What what was his signature? If you're line? going to welcome me with open arms, you're going to also have to welcome me with open legs. Brilliant. Yeah. I hope that's on his tombstone. Yeah. When he's fired. In and he face. said that to Terry Gross. To Terry Gross. Who's <laughs> <laughs> just like. Well, that was really rude. Right. That's uncalled for. That wasn't necessary, Gene. <laughs> you have uh, to say that to me. So I've made this list, and I, I knew it was going to be ignored by the general public. And I, and I understand why. But if you are a film fan, you owe it to yourself to go directly to this list, scroll all the way down to number one, and start watching some of these videos because uh-huh. they are some of the best slash worst things you will ever see in your life. Number one is Gene's performance as a transvestite in a movie called Never Too Young to Die, starring John Stamos and Vanity. Yes, and kids, <laughs> I've included three videos there for you to watch. It is insane to see this. To the fact that this even was committed to film is, is insane. Uh, oh I also have God. on there, uh, his performance as the demon in the NBC sure. uh, movie of the week, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park from 1978. In which he plays himself and Kiss. Demon. But like the superhero Blah. version. And I love that movie with all of my fiber of my of my heart. All of your fiber. Yeah. All of the fiber and all my heart. Of, all of fortified. Because it has so many great campy all lines of and, and so much. I know. Oh, I don't even know what that means. Awful acting. So that one's a great one. Number three, I'm going from the from the bottom to the top yeah. here. One Can I say real quick, cut you off, one thing I really like about your top ten list is you don't do the cheapskate thing where you, you do one for each page i have to page through every yeah. you get all 10 on the same page i get one click you get so. one click opposed to 10 yeah but i appreciate it Thank and you. i g- actually read the whole list so, awesome. because i get sick of having to s- skip around on the other ones anyway. i could get more traffic if i had one per page but it, that would be it would be nice and dishonest so so uh runaway with tom Selleck is a fantastic uh, michael crichton written and directed movie yes. uh where he plays luther and uh, uh, he's another bad guy, of course. Uh, bullets that go around corners, mechanical spiders loaded with acid. What? You've got to see the clip of this. It's amazing as well. And then I'm just going to stop here. Uh, number five, Wanted Dead or Alive with Rutger Hauer. Uh. Gene Simmons plays an Arab terrorist. Uh, Malik al-Sheikh or something like that. He's got a beard. <laughs> His skin's a little bit darker. He's wearing, uh, you know, uh, the, the robes and whatnot. Uh, he has one of the best and funniest, most memorable death scenes in, 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 in that whole genre of horrible 80s action movies. And you owe it to yourself to go to the number five YouTube video and watch how Rutger Hauer kills him. <laughs> so he's also in Extract, that horrible Mike Judge yeah. movie from a couple years ago. That I've included. And a couple other things. He was on Miami Vice yeah. and things like that. But all of these videos are really bad. And and you should you should watch them. He shows up kind of like Ron Jeremy does now. Like Gene Simmons in the eighties yeah. is like Ron Jeremy now. Ugly I, Betty. I just yeah, I hate that they just kind of drop Ron he was Jeremy on into something recently. Yeah, <laughs> just put him in something real quick. But he okay. can't act anymore. And you can see if you if you actually watch uh, Runaway, uh-huh. uh, which is an effective performance. 
in in a in a bad movie. It's an okay. effective villainous performance. And then you watch his performance in Extract, which was just a couple years ago. Right. You see that the man has clearly lost all semblance of trying to play a character in extract he's actually you can almost see him reading off of cue cards uh, or if he's not you can see his his eyes kind of go blank as yeah, he's trying to remember he's trying his to lines remember what he's gonna say. it's that bad yeah so anyway he's uh this awful obsession of mine and and uh top 10 gene simmons performances it's something it's it's a, a page you can have 10 minutes of good clean fun with good well i I'm gonna go watch the death scene. Right, my my favorite death scene in the last five years, I think, is in is in MacGruber. Really, the way yeah. MacGruber kills Val Kilmer at the yeah. end is awesome. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. <laughs> anyway, I, his death scene in Runaway is good too, which I also included. Yeah, yeah, cool. Just Simmons. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I will, I'm gonna get on that top ten, and we're gonna go. <laughs> Scene-Steelers.com. There you go. <laughs> Plug it in. Since I talked over you at the beginning and nobody knows what web- website I'm from. That's fine. All right. Well, that's that's all we've got for this week. So uh, tentative endorsement of one movie. Uh, yeah. Two, tentative endorsement of two movies. You like Fright Night okay. Yeah. I mean, for horror movies, honestly, right now, these are two of the best I've seen in a while. But yeah, um, again, Fright not- Night, a lot to live up to. Didn't quite Didn't quite live up to it for me. Okay. Well, we got a couple of movies at Liberty Hall. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, just wanted to touch on real quick. Another Earth. This uh, is would it classify as an indie indie sci-fi movie? Indie sci-fi drama. Yes. Yeah. So it's all those things, and uh, I haven't seen it. I didn't get to go to a screening for it, so I can't say anything about it. But it's there, and that opens uh, today, four forty, seven ten, and nine twenty. And we'll be playing uh, for a while. I mean, it's it's booked until at least the first. And then the other movie, which I have uh, seen, is The Trip, uh, Steve Coogan, and uh, um, Rob Brydon uh, go on this trip. That's that's the whole gist of it. Um, two and it very funny British Two guys. very funny British comedians. Yeah. Um, Steve Coogan is... Uh, I, I love Steve Coogan, 24-Hour Party People. is one of my favorite movies ever made. Absolutely. And the director of that movie, Michael Winterbottom, also directed The Trip. Uh, the movie itself, originally, um, it's it's kind of a greatest hits from the TV show because they did a miniseries. They mm-hmm. did a BBC miniseries that was like four or five hours long, I think. So they've cut this down um, to and 90 so they've, minutes. They've diced it down to 90 minutes. Um, I, I, I'm curious to know like what they kept and what they they got at what they so you've seen out. the tv show i've seen the tv show the not the actual movie so i can say that the movie's very funny and if you have a second um there's a great youtube clip if you just uh search steve coogan michael kane there's okay. this awesome conversation that i i really hope they include in the movie but the, the two the of them the, yeah the yeah. two of them just talking about michael kane's voice and you can get an idea of their rapport and how they work together and, and how they kind of one up each other and are competitive. You can get that the whole sense of how their dynamic is from that clip. And on top of that, it's hysterical. So it's really funny. I saw it. Yeah. 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 Oh, Michael. Cope. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so fun. So are you going to do a little Michael Caine? No, no, no. Okay. I'm not even going to try, but I, you did just now. I heard that, I heard wasn't, brief. that wasn't a, that okay. wasn't an attempt. That wasn't an attempt. Anyway, it opens, uh, it, it actually, for some reason, it opens Saturday. Um, and it'll be your Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then again, it's it's booked through the first, so who knows how long it'll stay. Um, Tree of Life is finally gone, finally and forever, out of the theaters. 
out of our hearts and minds. It's not out of our hearts and minds. <laughs> it's still in mine. The poster's sitting in my basement. Uh, you look at it and cry and just I do. press your hand against it. And think about Sean Penn and how he doesn't know why he's in the movie. He doesn't understand why he's in the movie. <laughs> I was The most interesting thing about that was just that he had said uh, that he thought the script was the best thing he'd read in yeah. years. And, and then the like, movie bared it, no resemblance yeah, to it. Yeah. But then I read an interview with somebody who said that – because Malik doesn't do interviews – that said that um, – Or photos for that yeah, matter. He didn't even go to the one that opened at Cannes. He wasn't there. Yeah. He wasn't there. Uh, uh, but but uh, somebody who, uh, who was editing it with him uh, said that he um, went all over the place and then ended up coming back to the script and making it very much like the script. Hmm. So it's really interesting that Sean Penn thinks it holds no resemblance to the script. So yeah. what are you going to do? Go see it or uh, just take our word for it. That's what I would do. I would go see it. and I would um, take our word for it. You would take what? <laughs> I would take our word for it. Our word for what? For what we think of the movie so oh. you don't have to go see it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would I skip seeing it and just I listen to what we have to say. Go see The Tree of Life. You're going to be hearing about it in about six months again when the Oscar stuff starts. I don't think you will be. If it doesn't win Best Cinematography, I will... Uh, Complain about it on the ride home. <laughs> yeah. Probably. All right. We're going. Everyone, have a good weekend. Bye. We'll see you. Have a good one.